Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. We did it. We made it to a Friday. It's a meat Friday at that. And in case you're wondering, Tyler has been whipping up a batch of something. White bean and ham soup and green chili cornbread. All right. I'll take that. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. Are you hesitating? I hesitated a little bit. On a cold winter day? Soup sounds good. Got a fire that will be, uh, you know, raging here coming up in a little bit. Yeah, see, you're a big chowder guy. Every time we go to a party at your house, there's multiple chowders available. No, I am not a fan of chowder. My wife makes chowder for those who are fans of chowder. So a little bit different, but... Okay. You're not anti-chowder, are you? No, I'm not. Because you don't want that no, no, I, no, no, no. I don't want that fan base after me. But we made it to a Friday. Glad you're part of the program. Uh, one of our favorite guests, uh, Jim Jackson, NBA on TNT, will join us a little bit later on. We'll head to the Combine. And one of the great baseball analyst writers of all time, Tim Kirchin. Who does their Tim Kirchin impersonation? Seton, are you? Uh, a- I think we all kind of do. Uh, Todd does a really good one. All right, let me hear. It hasn't been since the Pittsburgh Sleestacks Stacks in 1883 <laughs> where someone hit three consecutive triples. There's there's always like Three Finger Brown or Rube Marquardt or somebody like that. You're going, who? Back in 1927. And just feels that Tim's always got a great reference, always got a great stat, and uh, he loves the game. That's uh, I always admired that about Tim. He was not a negative person at all when it came to the game. Always optimistic. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Also, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. It's available every day, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. They do a wonderful job with this. DanPatrick.com. Put in your email address in the box that slides out. Bottom right corner, and you are good to go. Lewis Riddick from the Mothership will join us from the Combine. What the heck is going on with the Baltimore Ravens? We'll talk to Lewis about that. You got infighting. You got the whole Lamar Jackson situation there. And uh, today, it's a quarterback talking day at the Combine. So we'll keep an eye on that with uh, Bryce Young, of course, being the headliner there and the big questions that surround the top of the draft, as they always do. A couple other things here. 
Uh, Luca and Kyrie combined for 82 in a win over Boston. I don't know what it means, but they did combine for 82 last night. Uh, college basketball conference tournaments all weekend long. So get ready for the MAC, the MAC, the MEAC, OVC, OBGYN. There's going to be a, a lot of different conference tournaments there. MVC. Yeah, they, they've got it all there. Any ones that I left out there, Marv, uh, all the conference tournaments there? I think you covered everything. Okay, thank you. All 38 of them. All right. Uh, so Tim Kirkchin will join us coming up a little bit later on. Phone calls always welcome. Operator Tyler standing by, not only preparing the Friday meal, taking care of my puppy Winnie, but also answering your phone calls and chatting with Chat Row in that order. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to those watching on Peacock. Download the app. If you haven't done that, you can watch for free and also radio affiliates around the country, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio as well. Antoine Davis finished twenty uh, with 22 points. You're probably saying, who was Antoine Davis, and why do I care if he had 22 points in Detroit Mercy's loss to Youngstown State? Well, he stands three points shy of Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record of 3,667 points. Detroit Mercy is 14 and 19. That's not good enough to get into the NIT or the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational. Now, that doesn't mean they won't get in because these tournaments, looking for any kind of eyeballs, if you can have a game where Detroit Mercy is playing and you build it up as Antoine Davis is going to be the all-time leading scorer in college basketball history, might be a one-and-done for him, but that gives him an extra game. Now, he did play a lot more games than Maravich did. He's had five full seasons. His dad is the coach. Mike Davis used to be at Indiana. I think Auburn as well. Uh, he's been at a couple of places there. Uh, where's he been? Uh, UAB? Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, like Maravich, Maravich played for his father. He played three years. He wasn't eligible as a freshman. I mean, there's there's a big difference in this. It's a it's a great accomplishment for Antoine Davis to score that many points. But if if we're going to compare the two, there is no comparison. Antoine Davis played five years and scored a lot of points. That's it. That's the comparisons. You know, you got the three point shot. Five years. I mean, Maravich averaged forty four a game. Antoine Davis, I think, is probably 20. So Pete averaged almost 20 points more per game than Antoine Davis. There's no three-point line as well. I've talked about this before that I reached out to Dale Brown, the former LSU coach, and I asked him if he could find the shooting charts when Maravich played at LSU. And he went back, and I don't know how he found it, but he said, according to his calculations, Pete would have probably averaged uh, over 50 points a game. You add, you know, six, seven, three-pointers in there. And even if you're, you know, close to 48, 49 points per game. You know, Pete Maravich is to college basketball what Wilt Chamberlain is to the NBA. It's like you always have to go, well, but Wilt. You can look at all the stats and you go, but Wilt averaged 50 points in a season. 
all the 70 point games we've been talking about and you look at the list and you're like, uh, Wilt, 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 uh, Kobe, Elgin Baylor, Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell. Is Devin Booker in there too? That's uh, 70. Uh, but you, you know, you look at Maravich and what he did and what Wilt did. You know, Wilt, when Wilt was playing, I don't know how many years he was at Kansas, but I don't think he was averaging anywhere near even 30 points a game. He was probably a 25, 25 points, 20 rebounds kind of guy. Then he got to the NBA, and that's when he dominated. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, there's not a lot of stats on Wilt Chamberlain, but they've done their best to put it together. He played two years at Kansas, uh, 29.6 points per game and 30.1 points okay. per game, and uh, 19 rebounds both years. Okay. But Maravich put up these unbelievable numbers. And if you watched Maravich play, Pete, I think, enjoyed the fancy pass, the pass to a, an open teammate more than he did scoring because I think he got bored with scoring. I think he was that prolific of a scorer that he just grew tired of it. Um, and you can see that sometimes. You know, he was always looking for almost a, a Brett Favre-type feel of, I could make that pass. Or I can make that shot. How about I try to do something different? And Favre was always degree of difficulty. And I always viewed Maravich that way as well. I got to see him play in person one time in the NBA. That was against the Cincinnati Royals. He didn't disappoint. We got there three hours early. We got there so we could watch him warm up. And, you know, Pete would stand at the top of the key or in the, in the uh, circle and teammates would throw the ball to him, and then he would, th- you know, through his legs behind his back. So they would do their layup drills, and in college, where they'd just throw it to Pete, and Pete would be just throwing passes behind his back to these guys. And I remember the Atlanta Hawks at the time had a six-two uh, guard named I think Herbie White, and uh, he was white, an unbelievable jumper. And you're watching warmups, and everybody was watching this kid dunk and you could see where Maravich is like wait a minute this guy's getting all the attention so Pete who rarely dunked in a game started putting on a dunking show during warm-ups of a game in Cincinnati against the Royals you know he loved to be a showman uh, died at the age of 40 and uh, his legacy lives on I'm glad that Antoine Davis got to this point so people can look back uh, but as far as comparing the two, there is no comparison. One has five years, uh, the three-point shot, and uh, Pete had three. Yeah, Paul. There are five seasons in college basketball history where a uh, player has scored more than 40 points per game in a season. All Pete right, Maravich has three of them. So Pete's got three. <laughs> and, and the top three as well. So if you look at scoring per game yeah. in season leaders, he's one, two, and three. Johnny Newman. Correct. Johnny Newman, 1970-71 at Ole Miss. All right. And then you got to go really old school, Dan. So I'd have to go like uh, Frank Selvey. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. Uh, at Furman. Yeah. He had he had 29 and then 41.7 a game at Furman. Frank Selvey scored 100 points in a game in college. <laughs> yes, Seton. This might be a really stupid question, yeah. but why was he able to average so many points for his career? I mean, it's pre three pointer, right? Yeah. But was he just like, just like always slashing to the hoop, and it was a lot of like at the rim play, or was it just an outside jumper? What? Why was he able to put up so many points at that time? Well, he, he shot a lot. Green light. <laughs> yeah. He he averaged. 
averaged 38 field goals a game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he put the brakes on one night, he shot 30. 38 field goal attempts. Uh, always degree of difficulty. Defense knew that he was going to score. They they had one other really good player, but they went to the NIT one year. They played Marquette with Al McGuire and uh, Dean Meminger. I remember they they did a great job shutting down Maravich at the NIT. But back then, the NIT meant something. But Pete was an unbelievable ball handler, both hands, and had size. So you have that, and he could jump. They, he had... You know, he had lift on his jumper, great handle, and uh, beautiful form. You throw all those things together, and your dad's the head coach, and you get to shoot 38 times per game, you're going to put up some decent numbers. But, you know, back then it used to be a big deal. Rick Mount played at Purdue. Calvin Murphy played at Niagara. Uh, Freeman Williams was a great scorer. Bird Everett was a great scorer. It was a big deal if you led the nation in scoring. Now, not so much. Yeah, Paul. These Pete Maravich stats, you can keep digging and digging. There's been like uh, 20 60-point-plus games in NSA history. Pete Maravich has four of the 20. Mm. And, then, I mean, there's some other people that have one. But you know what's interesting? That You know, there's a lot more scoring in NBA now, ball-dominant guards. It hasn't translated to the college level. There hasn't been a 60-point game in college since 2008. Well, also, if you're good in college, you're only good for one year. And that's another thing with uh, Antoine Davis. You're, you can't be good enough to only stay one or two years. You have to be sort of in that, it's kind of gray area. And, and I think he's going to have a great chance to play in the NBA. You know, he's a really dynamic player, but he is very slight uh, if you watch him. Um, but, you know, as far as putting up those numbers every, every single night, uh, I have great respect when everybody knows, everybody in the building knows you're going to get the ball. Like Iverson. You always knew. It was like, all right, he's got it. Now try to stop him. And the fact that you could still go out there and dominate, um, you know, I have great admiration for that. Yes, Paul. We were watching Maravich highlights, and it looks like a movie where you took someone from now and transported him back into history, and he's playing a bunch of guys. And it, Like the things that he did, were, was that, were they frowned upon at all? Like his style? Um, I know it's hard for her to remember that bar back, and there wasn't sports radio, but I wonder if everyone loved it. Well, people would come out to watch warm-ups. That was a big deal for Pete. And then he did a commercial where he was spinning the ball in his finger, and, and then he would uh, you know, have the ball going between his legs. He did all these ball-handling drills, and it was for, I think it was hairspray. And, you know, Pete had the Bama bangs before we knew what Bama bangs were. The yeah. fellow with great hair. Yes, he did. He had great hair. Yes, he did have great hair. He, yeah. I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all, but he kind of looks more like a circus performer when he's playing. Like the way that he sometimes manipulates the ball and flips it, it's mm -hmm. not the same way that like Allen Iverson does or Kyrie does or something, even though it's, it's probably there's like some similarities to it. But he just, the way that he would like flip the ball around his back and then through his legs or something, it was like... Something you would see at a carnival. Well, you know, white chocolate, Jason Williams did the same thing. Oh, yeah, he was pretty similar like that, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you watch what Maravich was doing. It was more like an N1 kind of thing yes. than yes. anything, right? Yes, yes. If you remember those, those games. Yeah. Uh, but Pete was an entertainer. Pete knew he was an entertainer and, and went out there and knew that that's what people were coming to see.
So I think there is a, you know, an element of entertainment, uh, you know, Broadway show, a circus with, with Maravich. But I remember, you know, I've asked a lot of questions in my career. And sometimes you ask a question at the wrong time. And I remember asking Walt Frazier about Pete Maravich scoring 68 points on the Knicks in the garden. And I, I brought it up to him. And I didn't, the look on Walt Frazier's face was like, wait, why are you asking me this? I, I wasn't the only one who guarded him. But I was like, how did you guys, because they were great defensive teams. You know, Walt Frazier, one of the great defensive players of all time. I said, how did you let Maravich score 68? And he's looking at me going, <laughs> I didn't guard him the whole time. Why are you asking me this? And I was like, oh, probably correct. We're at the Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh, funny, I thought you would react more positively to that. Well, yeah, why, why would you be upset about it? I thought he might say, you know, guys get in the zone. It was one of those nights and there was nothing we could do. I, I, I don't know why I thought this. It was really, you know, stupid on my part. Not quite as generous as uh, Jalen Rose's, huh? No, no, because <laughs> Jalen Rose, you know, he gives Kobe his flowers. Like, man, hey, I didn't, like, he only had 18 on me, but, uh, you know, we, we got beat by one of the best ever play of the game. Yeah, that didn't go well with uh, Clyde Frazier. All right. <laughs> yeah, Clyde, hey, I know you're going into the Hall of Fame. Hey, what did you uh, think about Maribit scoring 68 on you guys? That was awesome. Yeah, man. Hey, let's talk about all of Pete's great games, okay? Yeah, enough about you. Yeah, enough about you, Walt, going into the Hall of Fame. What about Pete Maravich? All righty, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come up with a poll question. Got a play of the day, got a stat of the day, but uh, we'll check in with Lewis Riddick, the ESPN NFL analyst. He's at the Combine, and I got to know what's going on with the Ravens. All of a sudden, your GM is saying something about how bad the receivers are or how bad he is at getting receivers, and there are a lot of former Ravens who weighed in on this. When they, uh, when they saw the comments, talking about health, uh, pointing fingers, uh, you know, management at Lamar Jackson. You know, it just sounds like this is ready to detonate there. So we'll talk to Lewis. He'll join us from the Combine coming up. Jim Jackson a little later on and uh, Tim Kirchett as well. We're back after this. Dan Patrick Show. GetRefunds.com. Time to take me up on this, okay? GetRefunds.com. You can get started in less than eight minutes because they know the value of time. GetRefunds.com. They have uh, something that's called employee retention credit. It's uh, otherwise known as ERC. You can apply for this, and if you do, you might be eligible for a payroll tax refund of up to $26,000. That's per employee kept on payroll during COVID. They have returned, help clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds, and this is through the ERC, and they might be able to help you as well. Also, keep in mind with get refunds, no upfront charge either. They don't get paid until you get paid. Your business gets its refund. Many businesses believe they won't qualify based off incomplete or outdated information. Don't let this opportunity pass you by because this payroll tax refund is only available for a limited time. Go to getrefunds.com. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Who is this, Marv? It's a man by the name of Johnny Kemp. The song's called Just Got Paid. Oh, okay. I could see uh, young Fritzy, young Paulie out at the... The roller skating rink? Oh, for sure. This is like, I think this is their era when they were young and go out there, see what's up with the ladies. Now, was he before Prince? Because He's I, after. Yeah, I can hear the, the Prince uh, spillover. Like, there was a lot of that at that point. Yeah. This program brought to you by Discover Credit Cards. Do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. The cash back from trips and restaurants all doubled. Check out discover.com slash match for details. Before we get to Lewis Riddick, I want to play an answer, an honest answer from uh, Eric DaCosta. He's the Ravens GM at a press conference yesterday talking about the uh, lack of good receivers the Ravens have. If I had an answer, that means I would probably have some better receivers, I guess. We're going to keep swinging. There have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks. We've never really hit on that all-pro type of guy, which is disappointing, but it's not for lack of effort. It's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say we're not going to stop trying. We're going to just keep swinging, and, and hopefully at one of these points we'll hit the ball out of the park. All right, let's bring in Lewis Riddick, the ESPN NFL analyst. As uh, NFL Live from the Combine, 3 to 5 Eastern. Rashad Bateman did uh, speak out and had some uh, some words for his GM there. Uh, Lewis joins us now. What, what is going on here in Baltimore, Lewis? Hey, man, I wish I knew right there. Rashad did not really like that, did he? Now, that's since deleted 
I don't know if it was Instagram or Twitter. I guess from, from my understanding, they all talked and some of it was taken out of context, as they always say in these kind of situations when <laughs> someone gets pretty offended that you didn't really understand the entire, you know, context of the comment, et cetera, et cetera. But look, man, I think Rashad kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit about some of the maybe the frustrations that some of the guys internally have there. And it doesn't just really stop with how maybe the wide receivers are utilized. You heard him make reference to, or rather you read him make reference to, you know, about keeping us healthy, about maybe there being some issues with the number of injuries that they have every single year and why it takes, it seems like a protracted uh, amount of time for guys to come back. There's a lot of things that seem to need to be addressed internally there, the least of which is Eric DaCosta making a comment about I haven't hit on a, on a star wide receiver. Well, well, I think um, Hollywood Brown would probably have something to say about that, although you know we can sit here and debate how good Hollywood Brown was. And Rashad Bateman, when he is healthy, is as good as any receiver in the NFL. The kid has ultimate upside. And, and then there's a bigger picture too, Dan, you know, as far as why did they make the change at the offensive coordinator position? Did they feel as though this offense wasn't evolving enough and really, you know, of the modern day passing game ilk that they really want to be? And was Greg Roman not capable of doing that? And can Todd Munkin do that now for them? There, there's a lot going on there that maybe they ought to kind of like circle back, keep it in-house, and kind of address some things from the ground up. But this leads me to what happens next week with Lamar Jackson's contract. What do you, <laughs> what do you think they do with his contract? Because it, it feels like there's, you know, I think he uh, said to Stephen A. or his camp or his leak to Stephen A. Smith, he, didn't mm. want, he wasn't looking for that guaranteed contract. I was told, you know, to the contrary, he wants Deshaun Watson's contract there. Yeah, look, and you know, I have been steadfast in my belief that he should not, and no one else should not, should treat Deshaun's contract as an anomaly, okay? It is what it is. It's there. It's not Lamar Jackson's fault. Yeah, It's not his responsibility to try and interpret or make excuses for Jimmy Haslam and the Browns management as far as how they structured that. It's not his responsibility, number one. So... If he is asking for 230-plus fully guaranteed at signing, great. Go for it. Absolutely go for it. Now, from there, what actually was offered and what actually is he being offered, or rather, what is he actually asking for? I don't. It's anybody's guess right now because this is a unique situation, as you know, and he's negotiating on his own behalf with some help from outside uh, forces, I guess I should but just say But why wouldn't he ask for Deshaun Watson's contract? I mean, I, man, I, 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 I get it. I, I wouldn't agree. pay him. But I would right. ask for it. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And I, and I think, look, my gut, well, geez, my gut tells me that this is going to really be one of those things that becomes protracted and ultimately ends with him not being there. That's what I think is going to ultimately happen because they're just not going to pay him what he wants. And I think we all know that if he hit the open market and or was available via a sign and trade or some, or some uh, version of that, there would be a team that would probably top 200 million fully guaranteed at signing. There would be a team that would do that for him. And it may not be Baltimore and that's fine. And you know what? I, I also know this, having been through this number, you know, numerous different times, the team that ultimately, you know, winds up drafting you first and has the most intel, most information about you knows a hell of a lot more about really probably what your fair value is than a team coming in from the outside. And a lot of times what that results in is you overpaying and kind of like, 
extending the market past uh, places where it really should be extended. And a lot of times that can burn you. But that does not mean that I don't think a team will offer him a contract that will have to have Baltimore's jaws hitting the floor if they are to make him available, which I think ultimately that's where it's heading. Talking to Lewis Riddick of the Mothership, the NFL Live crew today from 3 to 5 Eastern, uh, the Combine and leading up to the draft. I was wondering about this with Bryce Young. You know, mm-hmm. if you're the Bears and you have a higher grade on him than you do uh, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm wondering who would be interested in Justin Fields. Sometimes we look at these possible trades or moves only through the lens of one team. But I don't know if I, like Carolina, does Carolina look at him and go, that's our quarterback or Atlanta or any of these teams? You know, maybe there's not a market out there for Justin Fields. Therefore, that's why they're going to keep him uh, and then maybe trade that pick down. What do you, how would you read this situation? Yeah, I I would, I I see what what you're saying, but I'd have a hard time believing that. that There wouldn't be a team in that top 10 that wouldn't say, you know what, We, we are willing to go ahead and set the foundation around him up front on the perimeter and then philosophically philosophically and conceptually in terms of the right kind of coach, right kind of offense coordinator, right kind of quarterback coach. And it's funny, one of the teams that you mentioned, I was, we were just talking about this on the set yesterday, that being the Carolina Panthers, all right? From a structural standpoint right now, in the top 10, of those teams that are there, there's there's some there's some good quality coaching staffs. Arthur Smith is someone who I respect tremendously. Pete Carroll, you know, and Shane Waldron, what they're doing out there in Seattle, what they did with Geno, someone I respect, you know, tremendously and all. But I'll tell you this: Carolina, with the combination of Frank Reich, and now they have Josh McCown, and they have Thomas Brown as the offensive coordinator who comes over from the Rams. I would I would take that situation for a young quarterback like Justin Fields over just about any of them right now. And I, I would have a hard time believing that if they were, if they could get their hands on a young man like that, given what he has been through through the first two years in terms of regime, regime change and lack of support, I would have a hard time believing that Jeff Tepper would not say, yeah, we'll take him and we'll build around him. If we can't get a guy, if we can't get somewhere, you know, out of this nine spot and move up to a position where we could get our franchise guy, we'll take a guy like that for sure. He, he's just got too much promise, Dan. He really does, and we're not we're not giving him a fair shake. I don't I don't I, quite honestly I don't even know how this got so much steam behind it. This whole concept of the Bears should trade Justin Fields and just draft Bryce Young. Yeah, but you reset your your quarterback contract. I I, I don't think that's necessary. But Justin to, Fields after next season, now I got to pay him fifty million dollars a year. Well, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the case that you have to pay him that. Okay, forty. I understand. I understand <laughs> resetting the clock in this in this fascination with people believing or people feeling as though you have a better chance at succeeding if you have a quarterback on a rookie contract because it frees up all this salary cap space. But if he's you know got I mean? a better grade, though, Lewis, if you okay. think he's better than Justin Fields, which most draft experts do come away with a better grade for Bryce Young than they do Justin Fields. Well. I, I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not in that well I, I'll tell you this I do love Bryce Young don't get me wrong okay he is he is a fantastic fantastic would you talent. take him over Justin Fields as your starting given quarterback what, given what I could get in return for moving out of the one spot to somewhere in the top ten and relative to what I saw him do unless there's something out there about Justin Fields that I don't know about no I wouldn't make that move 
I would trade down. Okay. And I would build out the rest of this offensive line, wide receiver group, get some pass rushers and, and more corners for for Chicago. And I think we would be rolling. We've shied away yeah. from drafting running backs, except for Saquon Barkley up high. Now yeah. you got Bijan Robinson, who has a pretty high grade. But, yep. the, you know, now the Cowboys have said, you know, with Pollard's injury, maybe Zeke is out the door. Mike McCarthy yep. said he wants to run the football more. Yeah. Yeah, they ran did. the ball a lot. Weren't they a top five <laughs> running team? This this is, yeah. I think Mike McCarthy's saying, I got a guy we're spending $45 million on, and I don't mm-hmm. want him having the ball, throwing the ball as much as these other quarterbacks do. That's what I yeah, took it, away from this. Yeah. You know what? And it, there's, there's a lot to digest from those comments because I think the debate becomes, especially when you're talking about the running game, it's volume versus efficiency, right? So does he say he wants more volume or he wants better efficiency? Because if he's saying he wants better efficiency, great. Every 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 head coach in OC does. They weren't efficient, one, because Tony needed to get more touches. Zeke is done. The offensive line isn't as dominant as it was. And I can understand where they might feel as though they want to be more efficient slash run the ball more because – Look, they they need to do, and I've said this numerous times. They need to do a deep dive on what happened with Dak last year. Like, what was, where was the gap as far as decision making under center? You take the snap. You're reading out the defense. You're deciding where to go with the football. You're putting the football where it needs to be put in all the critical situations. You need to do it because it just wasn't happening consistently. And you ain't going to tell me it's just Kellen Moore. <laughs> there, there's more to it than that. Yeah. So there, there, there's a lot of things to unpack for Dallas, man, like there always is. And that's why this offseason, will, they will give us plenty to talk about. The uh, situation with the Jets, if if it's true that the Saints are ready to make an offer for Derek Carr, and it feels like mm-hmm. you know maybe there's a marriage that's uh, you know waiting to happen here, the Jets mm-hmm. are in a holding pattern waiting for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. What, what do you think of that strategy? Oh, man, you know... I, I've tried to. I've talked about this a couple of different times, and I and every time I come away like saying, "Well, did I did I really represent how I really feel about this?" Look, <laughs> I'm, someone, I'm, I'm someone who really does believe in people like taking care of themselves, right? And you know, from a physical and mental standpoint, and sometimes people go in you know and do this in ways that I don't know. Maybe we don't agree with, or we just can't see the the method the methodology to their madness. We know. I, I, I don't know. Look, Aaron does some things that obviously play themselves out in the public eye that that invite a lot of skepticism and people going, man, come on. I mean, enough. I'm tired of this. This is exhausting, et cetera. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay whatever he's trying to get done personally, but from a pure football team building standpoint, it's exhausting, man. It's exhausting. And for the Jets to sit and go, well, you know what? We're just going to push all of our chips into the middle of the table and say, look, we'll just wait for Aaron Rodgers." You know, because now Nathaniel Hackett's there and they feel like maybe they can just kind of put this band back together and he can lift this team to new heights. I I hate the whole fantasy football team building concept. Like Aaron comes there and automatically he's great for Garrett Wilson. You know, he's great for Corey Davis. He's great for, for, you know, this entire offense. And next thing you know, we're challenging in the East. I don't believe that to necessarily be the case, especially if he's going to conduct himself in the offseason the way he did last year. So you don't want to be around. Are you going to help him out? Are you going to teach these guys? Yeah. You know, last year we we said, oh, it won't matter. He's he's Aaron Rodgers. He'll get on the same page quickly when he gets to camp. Everyone needs to relax. Stop sweating the guy. <laughs> well, you saw what happened. But then when we talked to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, before the Week 18 doubleheader, 
And Andy Reid looked, and I go, Andy, how did how did you change everybody out in your wide receiver room except one guy, McCole Hartman? You changed everybody. You changed the running back. You changed everything. How are you able to? How's Patrick able to take it to the neck another level? Yeah. He goes, I'll tell you how. Because as soon as he knew all these changes were coming, and Tyreek left, he got everybody together and said, "We're going to work on this all off season." But then we're going, well, Aaron doesn't need it. What the hell? What do you mean Aaron doesn't need to do that? So that, that's what bothers me about this situation for the Jets. If he's going to come there and spend his time in the offseason, Dan, who knows what they can do? Because it is a talented team. We know that. But when, is he, when has he been willing to do that recently? I don't know. Paulie, do you have uh, Lewis Riddick's combine numbers? I, I think these are unconfirmed. No, no, don't, hey, don't, don't put those out there, man. <laughs> it wasn't a, it, There's some good it stuff, Lewis. I, I no, it wasn't, actually. It wasn't a good day. <laughs> So you're an overachiever. I got you just under 6'2", 216. Yeah, uh, hand true. size, 9.63. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you guys want to play guess the 40-yard oh, dash time? Oh. Man, I ran a 4.7. Wait, you're not, you, don't you know how the game works, Lewis? We guess, and then you tell <laughs> us. Dan, even Lewis is wrong. He ran a 4.72. Oh. Yeah, it, was, it was, Dan, let me just tell you, man. It was not a good morning. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, I, I tell this story all the time. This was an old RCA dome. No one was here. I mean, it was just like, it was like so like just, you know, watered down and nothing like it is now. Yeah. And I get up to the line. And first of all, you know, the lines that were set up for where you put your hands and your feet were not exactly, they didn't have like 40 camps and all that crap that they have now for these guys to get prepared. So I'm like, oh, well, this is not, this is going to mess me. So I was, I'm all messed up as far as my hands and my feet and where I want to start. And I look up to my right and in the stands, I literally, I see Mr. Al, Al Davis sitting there like this. He's <laughs> got his glasses pulled down. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and it's him, it's Bill Parcells and Gil Brandt. Oh, and they're looking at me like, will you just run already? And I'm just like, holy. Yeah, it wasn't a good day. A four, the drill went a lot better, but the 40 times stunk. I, I think I think Rich Eisen did better than that. Yeah, I, I you know I ran faster at my pro day. I ran four <laughs> five six, but that that combine thing haunts me, man. Mel Kuyper won't <laughs> let me forget it. He won't let me forget it. Did you ever hear the story about Orlovsky and the forty yard dash in high school, where there's a uh, Randy Edsel no. from Connecticut was coming over to scout him, and, uh -huh. and Orlovsky moved the cone. He ran. His forty-yard dash, and he ran thirty-seven yards. But Randy Edsel, the UConn coach, thought that that was his time for a forty, and it was actually his time for a thirty-seven-yard dash. What and, was the time? And he, uh, it was respectable, I think. For um, I think it, it shocked everybody, and that's the one scholarship <laughs> offer Orlovsky got. But he actually manipulated his forty-yard dash time. I did not know that, but I am glad I know that. I now. gotta respect that, though. <laughs> hey, hey, you do what you gotta do, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I wish I, I wish I could have done that somehow at the combine. <laughs> if but you hey, would run a thirty-seven yard dash, you... I would have ran like a four, four, four. Oh, you yeah. think so? Yeah. yeah. Speed's overrated. It's about being quick. You know what? That's why at some point in time, then you know they're going to do do away with the forty, and it'll all be GPS tracking numbers, which is more accurate anyway. What do you mean? But what a lot of a lot of scouting departments have already transitioned to that. They don't. I mean, they they do they track the forty and they record it, and they want the verified numbers, but they really don't use that as a way to really determine the player's functional speed, which is smart.
Great to talk to you. Have fun out there yeah, in Indy, and thanks for joining us. Of course, man. Thank you. It's Lewis Riddick. He ran a four seven two. Oh, wait a minute. Not supposed to bring that up anymore. NFL Live from 3 to 5 Eastern today, part of the uh, Combine coverage there. You look at the fastest guys in NFL history, not necessarily the best guys. We'll uh, run down the list there of uh, you know those Combine 40-yard dash times. Back after this with our play of the day. Big day yesterday. Seton finally pulled out the Panini America packs, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Worth the wait, huh? Yes, it was. It was fun. I always like it. Takes me back to my youth. But, uh, you know, you start rifling through the cards, and then there were a couple of retro cards in there. Keyshawn Johnson was in there. Somebody got an Aaron Rodgers card yesterday. Josh Allen on the cover of the box? Yeah. Collectors can share your cards in the public gallery, complete challenges, earn exclusive award cards, and uh, Panini NFTs, the place to be for the NFL. NFL offseason and also the stretch run of the NBA, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show, also the official trading cards of the NFL, NBA, UFC, FIFA World Cup, collegiate sports, Panini NFT trading cards, giving you the opportunity to pull autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, even one of one NFTs from every pack. PaniniAmerica.net slash blockchain, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This is Steve Covino. And Rich Davis. And together we are Covino and Rich. Covino and Rich. Thanks, buddy. Uh, That's right. Covino and Rich, Fox Sports Radio's newest hit show. Heard weekdays from 5 to 7 Eastern, 2 to 4 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Every Covino and Rich show is available as a podcast. Just search Covino and Rich wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. I'm such a rockin' dude. The show features our unique take on sports, injected with some fun, humor, and relatability. Listen to Covino and Rich five days a week on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Covino and Rich, give me a hell yeah! The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. The play, the play of the day. Let's go! Check this out. Shed to the right sideline, Arsenal. Yeah, probably have about 16 points. Right wing Shed. He'll catch and shoot the three. Got it. Jamal Shed hits his third three. He has 17. And the Cougars up by seven. Houston defeats Wichita State. That's courtesy of Learfield Sports. That's your play of the day brought to you by our friends at Panini America. Hottest rookies. Biggest superstars, the all-time greats. There's only one place to collect them all. Panini Trading Cards, the official trading cards of this program. Start or continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. All right, what's the poll question we're going with today on this Meet Friday? Seton O'Connor. Well, we put up for hour one, Dan. Uh, if you were an NFL GM, how concerned would you be with Bryce Young's size? Hmm, okay. Uh, 60, your uh, options were not at all or very. There's no, well, kind of, sort of, nothing like that. You're either super concerned or not at all. All right. 60% of the audience vary. Here is Bryce Young earlier today about the concerns over his size. Again, I, I've been this size uh, respectfully my, my whole life. Um, you know, I, I know who I am. I, you know, I know what I can do. And, you know, for me, you know, I think it, it, it's fair. You know, everyone can, can speculate and ask whatever questions are necessary. But, you know, I'm going to continue to control what I can control. I'm um, keep working my hardest to put myself in a position. I'm confident in myself. I know what I can do. And, you know, I'm just excited to get to that next level. And Bryce Young says he's around 200 pounds. Like, at what point do you say, hmm, he's not – He's not heavy enough. He's 195 and a half. You know, he's not going to be 200 pounds when he plays. Just not going to have that through the course of a season. We get caught up in these numbers. And that's always dangerous. When you say no to that style of quarterback or that size of a quarterback. Can you play football? That's what it comes down to. If you went with the guys getting off the bus at a high school game, You'd be like, well, I want that guy on my team. Or I want that, and that guy, nah, he's too small. And then you get out there, and you go, I'll be damned. Shortest guys dominate. You, you can't get into this. Everybody's got to fit into this one category, this box. Yes, Eden. Not to nitpick, but, but I will. Okay. Um, Bryce Young, he said he knows who he is, and he knows what he can do, mm-hmm. which is kind of true. He knows who he is, and he knows what he's done. And he knows what he thinks he can do, but he doesn't actually know if he could play at the next level or not. He thinks he can. Like Zach Wilson knows who he was and knows what he can do, too. Uh, and that didn't really work out well. That clears that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. What, does that not make sense? Or No, he, 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 what Seen's saying is like on the college level, he did it, but this is bigger, stronger, faster people. I saw this uh, report. The guardians of the XFL have cut their quarterback Quentin Dormady, after he allegedly gave an opposing team plays from the Guardians playbook. Remember, remember a couple of days ago I said the Guardi- your Guardians were yes, 0-2? Yes, 
Uh, they also they removed his uh, stats from the XFL website. They released him. They have investigated this, but uh, their quarterback was. <laughs> this is the darkest moment in XFL history. <laughs> is this the best moment in the XFL history? Because we're talking about it. 40-yard dash times, Paulie, is, um, this is modern. I always thought Joey Galloway had the fastest time. I don't know if they had numbers with Dion, but I remember Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice was, what, a 4-6 guy? And, and that was always the, man, that guy's a 4-6-40. I thought Joey Galloway and John Ross were the two fastest players at the combine. Do you have uh, those numbers? Yeah, I have uh, at number seven, I have Tyrone Calico out of Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Tyrone Calico. I have Stanford Route out of Houston. Okay. I have Marquise Goodwin out of Texas. He's a burner. Okay. Uh, Jerome Mathis out of Hampton. Anybody good? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris Johnson, the running back. Oh, yeah. Was he East Carolina? He had the 2,000-yard season. 4.24 at the 2008 yeah. combine. Most of these are from 1999 or sooner because they say it's more digital technology. It used to be hand time, so Dion and those guys kind of lose out. Uh -oh. John Ross was the fastest timed ever. 4.22, the wide receiver. Yeah. Went to Cincinnati and did didn't, very little. He was like the fifth pick overall. Mm -hmm. That's one of those guys I watched him in college and I was thinking, there's nobody who can cover that guy as fast as he is. All right, one hour in the books, two more to go. Jim Jackson, NBA on TNT, will join us. Lakers season over with LeBron's injury. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.